that's when I realized like, dude, look inward. Like this isn't, this isn't a problem that you can, you know, find externally. This is a you issue. And until I was able to realize that it was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, I was I really credit a lot to magic mushrooms to helping me restore my relationship with my mom. Hello everyone, welcome to Sagan Experience, the show where we explore life stories that help you become the absolute best version of yourself. Today I am joined by Austin Dixon. Austin is an incredible marketer, one of the best copywriters I know, a Spokane, Washington native, a shampoo expert, and just an overall amazing human being. Austin, welcome to the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So you just recently moved back to LA, right? Yes, sir. What's it like being back? It's, it's been good. Yeah. The, uh, the transition was super easy. So I kind of bopped around the West coast for a little bit there for a few years, uh, spent a year in Denver, spent a year in Boise, a few years back home in Spokane. Um, transition down here was super easy. Had all the college homies and whatnot. Nice to be back in a, in a bigger city. Um, a lot more creativity and entrepreneurship flowing around these parts. So I've enjoyed it. That's what you're about, right? That's entrepreneurship right. and creativity. That's right. So for some uh, context to the watchers and listeners out there, Austin and I went to college together and uh, we're actually in the same fraternity, even though I don't think we were like incredibly active there, mm -hmm. but uh, we started really, I think, hanging out more and connecting post-college when we kind of dove into the, I think what you call the make money online space, but you know, it's digital, like, digital marketing, make money. Yeah. There's, online. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially, uh, you know, there's a community online and a lot of sub communities where it's really focused on. Uh, you know, building your own business online. Uh, maybe it's like, you know, being a coach or like selling courses mm -hmm. or uh, essentially just, just finding ways to build, yeah, your business or brand online. So uh, I'm curious about like how you first got into that space and what, I, for most people, I think there's like an initial like point or something that happened which triggered that interest. So what was yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. Um, I've always been, you know, e even thinking back to, when I graduated high school, going to college, the first thing I ever sold online was on eBay. And mm -hmm. I kind of just did an inventory of everything I had around my house, realized that I was going to California and I was like, how do I make some money with stuff that I'm not gonna use? So I, I think that was really the first dollar I made online was just selling a bunch of random shit on eBay. Um, this is like the Gary Vee style, the, like going, the, just yeah. taking what you have and selling it at garage sales and flipping it, right? 100%, and I think that really opened my eyes to the internet. Um, even through high school, I was like, I was so fascinated with my laptop and just what you were able to do on the internet. And so, uh, yeah, being able to, to make a few dollars going into college really just kind of expanded my mind to what else can I do online? So throughout college, I remember getting into web design a little bit, um, actually sold my first website to one of our fraternity brothers. He was working at a company in Malibu. Um, didn't know how to create a website, but I was learning. And so I was like, yeah, I can do it for you. What what platform did you use to uh, create the website? I built it on WordPress, but it's funny looking back on it because WordPress is so easy to get set up now. And I don't even know, like, I'm not that technical. I'm not a coder. Um, I'm not a programmer. And I'm pretty sure I tried to, like, do a custom WordPress build. Um, I can't even describe it to you, but I went through all these hoops that I didn't need to go to looking back on it. But it was one of those things where it's like, just get your feet wet, jump in. Um, and figure it out. So that was, um, yeah, that was really my first experience with offering services to someone. And then fast forward to after I graduated, I was working at a digital media company over in Culver City. Um, shout out Bobby Hall. He was my boss. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, huh. 
And I remember, you know, it was funny because basically the pup, we had a few websites, one of them being Bro Bible. And I remember reading uh, an article on our own site about some 24 year old kid that was making six figures a month. And that blew me away. I was like, how the hell is this guy doing this, right? He's my age and making six figures a month. That blew me away. And so I really just kind of, while working at Woven, started going down the rabbit hole of how do you make money online? And I realized that there's so many different ways, whether it be coaching, consulting, courses, selling physical products, uh, having a blog and, have, and monetizing through ads. And my mind was really just blown at all of the opportunity out there. So it was kind of ironic reading that blog post on our own site because then I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to work for someone else. I want to go figure out how to work for myself and, and earn an income online. So it really just snowballed from there. Uh, a few short months later, I ended up quitting my job, moving back home. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. Now I'm here. <laughs> Dude, I remember you also experimented with a lot of different ways to do this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I remember was uh, when Snapchat was like really blowing up, you had a Snapchat like filter mm -hmm. agency, which was actually really genius because it was, you know, very geo-targeted. So people were doing events. Um, you know, you could create the special filter, whether it was like a birthday or a big corporate event. And there's definitely demand for it. And mm -hmm. I didn't see anyone else doing that. Tell me about some of the things like you tried like that. And I remember also that because I actually hired you for like yeah. one of my clients to do it. Uh, tell me, because I think a lot of people like think there's like this quick, easy path to just jump online. And honestly, like with the guru culture to it, you know, all the, the clickbait titles were mm -hmm. like how I made a bajillion dollars in like two days. Right. You know, and it's like, well, they don't talk about like everything leading up to that. So I want to hear a little bit if you're comfortable sharing 100%. about maybe some of like the failures or like the different little other projects you started before you kind of landed in something that was a bit more sustainable. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. I think uh, one of the things I, I pride myself on a lot and that I think is very important for entrepreneurs is being curious. And so mm -hmm. As you mentioned, like it's been, I think it's been six years since I've been working online and I have tried everything under the sun, especially the first few years. It was basically just like, oh, you can do this. Let me figure out how it works, throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. And so, yeah, Shane and I actually, another one of our fraternity brothers had the Geofilter Marketing Company. Um, and I remember we had the idea over a Chick-fil-A dinner. Um, when we were both living down in LA and that night I went home, built a little landing page. I remember the the headline on it was the world's first, uh, Snapchat geo filter marketing agency. Nice. And I stick by that. I really think we were, we were the first one. So that was kind of the first income that I was earning that gave me a cushion to be able to quit my job. Do, do you we, mind breaking that down just a little bit? I, I, I want to try and give like, you know, some insights to people listening out there. So, you know, yep. what did you charge? Like maybe what were like the margins? Great and, question. So yeah. we initially started by doing the, the initial um, kind of customization of geofilters on Snapchat. We saw a big demand for weddings and birthdays. Mm -hmm. So I remember doing it for a buddy. Uh, he was throwing like a, like a birthday party at his place. So we did a custom geofilter for him. Um, through word of mouth, people just kept coming to us and said, hey, I want one for my wedding. So for those types of events, we were charging $50. And so for implementation basically it was i was doing the design work and then shane would go actually set up the targeting so like where's the wedding what's the radius that we need to put it around so that it shows up at the entire venue mm -hmm. um and it was called filter house what what a shane and i were just talking about it last weekend because mm -hmm. what a unique experience um we went from doing weddings and birthdays and these little events for like 50 dollars a pop 
to eventually I tweeted out uh, at a brand called Avocados from Mexico. Big, big brands. Uh, they run Super Bowl commercials every year. And long story short, got in touch with their uh, marketing director and ended up landing a basically a six-figure deal with them for year-long um, geofilter marketing. Just from that tweet? Just from one tweet. I basically wrote an article about how I thought they had the best out of the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. tweeted it out, didn't expect and I mean, no one read my blog at mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. right? And so when I put that tweet out, I was like, maybe I'll get one viewer, maybe I'll get two viewers. Do you remember how many followers you had? Less than 200. Less Amazing. than 200. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so to end up going from, once again, designing these little $50 filters for these small events to landing a six-figure deal with an established brand to be able to do you know a year-long of different geofilter campaigns. We got our geofilter seen at the Super Bowl. We got them seen at new restaurants that the company was opening. Um, really just opened my eyes to, oh shit, the point of business is to provide value. And if you can provide value, you know, all that we're exchanging as business owners is monetary compensation for the value that you provide. So it really, really opened my eyes to, uh, yeah, like that, that right there is the crux of what we're doing. So filter house was, like I said, kind of the first foray into having something that would allowed me to get out of my job. At the same time, I was designing websites for like local business owners, um, auto body shops, little wineries around Spokane, my business, my other business partner at the time was doing SEO for local clients. Um, so it was just kind of this like full service digital marketing agency, even though we had no clue what we were doing, looking back on it. Um, and then from there, like I said, I've tried so many things. I had a, uh, Wait, hold on. Can, can I unpack like please. a couple of things there? Because, <laughs> you know, I know these days, uh, not as many people like use Snapchat or I, at least they use it, I think in a different capacity, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I think like you tweeting out to that brand and writing the blog is totally applicable to today. Like anyone mm -hmm. can do like, so I, I started this like art business on the side and I was, I've been able to connect with like people I'd never thought I'd be able to connect with. Cause I like, you know, for the first couple created these like art pieces mm -hmm. like for them and it was very customized. And I was just like, Hey, like, you know, here you go. And it, they like loved it. And yeah. I was like, Oh shit, they're actually like responding to me. And then, um, one actually commissioned me to do another piece like for him and his wife. And, uh, and I think people need to like, first of all, have the courage and believe that they can actually connect with mm -hmm. who they want to connect with. Uh, and also they'll feel the passion. Like I think a lot of seasoned entrepreneurs and, you know, people that maybe you think are unattainable to connect with. I mean, if they see the passion and see like the value, they don't care if you have like 10 followers. And in fact, I've actually heard a lot of them say that they want to help like, uh, you know, the little guy sure. and they've been in that position. Like everyone starts from zero, literally yep. everyone, you know? Yep. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, and I actually remember you posting about the avocados <laughs> from Mexico. So, um, okay. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about, uh, the digital marketing agency. So you, you tried websites, yep. uh, assuming you got, you know, a little bit better, the more you did. Uh, did you expand into other services as well and kind of like bundle it as packages or what? Yeah, I mean, like? like I said, looking back on it and and shout out Austin Damon, good buddy from back home. Austin squared, um, huh? Austin squared, yeah, AD squared. Uh, like, like I said, looking back on it, we both laugh. We talk about this all the time because we had we had no clue what we were doing. It was the classic, hey, we're these young millennials. You guys are older local business owners. You don't know what digital marketing even is. 
Um, and it was very naive of us to think what we even knew what it was because, you know, I would build a little WordPress website, we'd launch it, the brands would be all happy and then come to find out like it didn't help them grow their business at all. Uh, SEO, a little bit different. My partner was actually really good with SEO. So he was really good at getting them traffic. But then, you know, we started learning about Facebook ads and we wanted to offer that. And, you know, um, just anything digital marketing, we were like, oh yeah, we can do that for sure. Um, email marketing, we got into email marketing for the winery. So mm-hmm. it was it was one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that um, being a specialist is a really good thing. But even from day one and, and looking at what I do now, uh, when it comes to marketing, I've realized that my job and my, my role in, in the current brand I'm running is to have a lay of the land and then hire experts to, you know, work on a certain channel and whatnot. It's nice to get the initial kick if I'm testing TikTok, figuring out what works. And then immediately when I figure out what works, who can we bring in to run the TikTok channel and whatnot? So, um, yeah, it was one of those things where the digital marketing agency, it was paying the bills. I was living at my dad's house at the time. Uh, but it was nothing where we were able to ever like quote unquote scale or grow past a certain capacity because we were just trying to do way too much jack of all trades. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about maybe some of the obstacles you found when you're growing that, uh, for example, so, you know, I also have a digital marketing agency Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think it wasn't until like the second or third year I really understood like the nuances of like taxes and like, (laughs) yeah, you know, what you actually take home and then also how to like classify it. And I didn't have a great accountant in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you have any kind of similar experience and also what were some other maybe things I'm, I'm thinking in the context of it, if someone's looking to kind of start or like grow a service-based business online, yep. uh, just thinking about like the things we can almost like pre-warn them <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, the biggest obstacle we ran into growing the business was just lead generation. Mm. We were cold calling every local business in town. Um, the vast, vast majority of them, would hang up or not even entertain a conversation. Uh, we were doing cold email campaigns. We tried lumpy mail. Like I remember my partner sending out these little army men. In yeah, explain packages. what lumpy mail is. I actually love that. So, so yeah, it's basically, I, I forget who he had learned it from, but uh, lumpy mail is basically sending Ovens, some probably. sort of probably, yeah, <laughs> some sort of package um, that has an object in it so that the business owner basically understands like there's something in here. I need to open it. So I forget exactly what the you know sales letter said in the envelope, but I remember we sent out probably a hundred little army men, and it was a little hook into hey, would you you know want to talk to us about doing your digital marketing? So looking back on it, it was it was once again just an experiment, and I'm a big believer in testing and seeing what works and doubling down on what is. But uh, it was just so comical because once again we had we had no clue how to get inbound leads. We had no clue how to attract interest from other people. Um, and I think looking back on it, a big part of that is we didn't have any like real tangible results to market. It was, Mm. Hey, we'll build you a website. Hey, we'll do SEO. It wasn't, Hey, look how we improved, uh, similar businesses, traffic or bottom line revenue in this niche. Mm. Would you like to talk to us about how we could do the same for you? Mm. So I think lead generation, I think, uh, niching down is very important especially at the beginning. I think long-term you can kind of diversify into different niches, but if you can go into, let's take the winery, for example, if you can go get a a real good tangible result for a winery, why not just take that to other wineries in different cities 
and do the same for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think from, you mentioned the like taxes, business structure stuff. That's all stuff that even to this day, I'm, I (laughs) try not to think about as much as I know it's important. Um, we were lucky enough to my, my business partner at the time, his dad was a pretty well-established ortho in town. Um, and we just used his accounting firm and whatnot. So we got a little Damon discount there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of those where you need to tap into someone who is like an expert. Yep. And uh, yeah, you might have to like dish out a little bit of money to, mm-hmm. cause, cause in the long run, you know, it could come back and like bite you For when sure. you realize you owe a lot more to like the state, city, mm-hmm. IRS, whoever. Um, so yeah, I, the lumpy mail is like really funny because I think the insight I remember hearing about for that one was honestly, people still love to get snail mail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get a ton of emails like every day it's, you know, flooding our inbox, but if you get something that you can like physically touch and then there's like, yeah, like a little lump in there, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like, what is this? You know? And yep. Uh, I actually remember, uh, say so work for like Beats, yep. Hydrate, and I remember someone sent the CMO of Beats this like little package and it had, and it was this, I, it was a box. This is like this big box and he opened it up and uh, it was this like, I actually don't remember exactly um, how it looked like, but it was just like this headphone that was like this guy made and he yep. was like a designer and it like totally blew everyone away. But uh, th- I think there's just like something there thinking of like perhaps unconventional like tactics For or sure. not like the quote unquote like lazy, just like, hey, Austin, like I'm Chris, like, right. a business owner or, you know, marketing agency owner. I'd love to do like your website. So I think, yeah, for everyone listening, like just try different, like you guys tried a bunch of different mm-hmm. stuff just to see what sticks. And you also never know for your business. You never know for how sure. people will you know respond to different methods of outreach mm-hmm. and lead gen so uh yeah super important points points there so once you did the marketing agency stuff did you did you guys end up niching down or uh no we got to a point where uh i basically i ran across russell brunson and click funnels started mm-hmm. understanding basically how to Can you talk about what click funnels is really quick just click funnels yeah click funnels is just a, a software that helps you build sales funnels and landing pages so when i started when i started learning about what a what a sales page and a landing page was and how to actually attract attention online um, convert visitors into actual leads or dollars for your business what i started to realize is the websites we were creating for the local businesses i didn't feel good about selling them cuz once again they weren't doing anything for the business. I realized that, you know, we weren't capturing leads. I realized that we weren't converting those leads into sales through the website. It was basically just like a nice little, it was, it was a nicely designed website that showcased the business, the local business, but it didn't do anything for them. Hmm. And so I basically went to my partner and said, Hey, um, I don't know if I feel good about selling these anymore. Now that I'm learning how to actually do digital marketing, uh, I don't know if I can, you know, really ethically, sell these to business owners because they're not helping them grow the business. And so we had a discussion. Um, we kind of felt at that point that it was just better to go our separate ways. I wanted to go down this way. He wanted to still just continue doing SEO and, and that type of stuff. Um, so we ended up breaking up, which was an interesting thing. I think we were probably 23 at the time. Um, 
about, you know, 10, 11 months into my first business partnership. And now I'm having to have a conversation about, about breaking up, but I'm really glad that we did because I think long-term it saved our friendship mm. and it's still one of my closest friends to this day. So mm. yeah, it was one of those things. I mean, I think the, the most that we ever made in a month, uh, was probably 8k. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a good month for us at the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, from you know zero to eight, mm-hmm. uh, that's not bad. Not bad, um, especially at that stage. You know, yep. when you're trying to figure things out. So I think you alluded to a really good point around helping the business owner with their core needs, mm-hmm. which a lot of them might not even know what that looks like. Like I think we're often told that the first thing we need to do to like start a business is get a logo, like build a website, you know, establish kind of the post the, on social media. Yeah, po- exactly. <laughs> post some kind of like storefront, but really at the end of the day, uh, you know, as we've learned, you know, being in the space a lot more, there's people making like nine figures, 10 figures with no website. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> like they're just like pounding the phones or, uh, you know, like Alex Hermosi is like one of those who's like blown up right now. And he's told this story about going to different gyms and mm-hmm. like just over the phone and selling like 6K like packages. And the the kind of path to do that is really thinking about what the business owners need, which most of the time is like sales. But, you know, there might be other holes. So right. tell me. So it sounds like you had that realization. Mm-hmm. Tell me about like that shift. So what did you start doing then to either provide a service or a product that touched more on like, you know, the actual results that business owners were truly looking for? For sure. Um, for me, things kind of snowballed very quickly. And it's because, like I said, I started following Russell Brunson, who's, you know, a big personal figure in the online marketing space. I, I remember being in Minnesota. I was visiting a good buddy out there and... He had gone to bed. He had to wake up early the next day to go to work. Uh, I'm sitting there scrolling on my phone. And I remember seeing a post from from Brunson that they were looking for designers to basically come out to their HQ in Boise, um, spend a few days basically designing funnel templates for their kind of marketplace. And initial thought, right? I'm a young entrepreneur at this time. First thought that comes to come to mind is there's no way in hell that I would ever get chosen for this. So I keep on scrolling and then something in me, I think it's because, you know, I'd been in business for basically a year at that point. I was like, what the fuck? What, like, why, why are you counting yourself out before you even give it a try? So I remember scrolling back up, um, spent a few minutes, put in an application. And then about two weeks later, got an email back from their team being like, Hey, we actually, uh, enjoy your designs. We'd love to have you out to Boise. Here's the details. Let us know if you want to come. And that event right there really changed a lot for me because I went from this little twerp of a digital marketer not knowing much to sitting in a room with first and foremost a, a software team that's doing you know eight, nine figures, I forget what they were at the time, um, 30, 29 other digital marketers who were working with six, seven, eight figure brands at the time. And basically I got to sit and work with them and soak up their knowledge for three days straight. That's when I really started to understand once again, how to sell online. Um, doesn't matter what niche you're in, doesn't matter what your product is. There's a certain way to attract attention and convert visitors. And that's what I was starting to learn from all these people. Mm -hmm. Um, I sat next to a guy, I kind of call him my, uh, dad in the marketing space, Tyler Jorgensen. And Tyler was so nice because 
I was shy. I sat in a corner. He came up and sat next to me and I kind of told him like, Hey, I feel, you know, it was classic imposter syndrome. We're sitting here building these funnels and I'm like, I can make them look good, but I have no clue how they actually really work. Can you educate me a little bit about, you know, what's going on here? And so he took me through some of his clients funnels, um, took me through some of his, his past work and whatnot. And I really owe a lot to him just giving me a basic understanding of what the hell is going on here. Let's talk about like the, the funnels a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cause I think, um, most people who aren't super familiar mm -hmm. with, uh, yeah, either like, you know, e-commerce mm -hmm. or like selling online or, you know, doing any type of like marketing, I might not know what that is. So, cause just like very basic, like layman terms break down kind of what, a a funnel is. Yeah, it's been a while since I've, I've given a definition, so I'm trying to think what's best here. But um, essentially what most people do when they're trying to sell online is like Chris mentioned earlier, they build a website and there's a million places to go, right? There's an about page, there's a contact page, there's a bunch of different product pages, etc. For business owners that are really looking to grow and scale online, what a funnel does is allow you to basically place your target prospect at a specific place in the sales cycle. So if they don't know you and they're seeing an ad for the first time, what may be most beneficial is instead of trying to sell them your product right away, maybe capture their email so that you can, you know, send them emails, really build a relationship with them, et cetera. So instead of once again, pushing them to a product page, you'd build a little opt-in page that maybe you give away something for free, a little guide, a little ebook in exchange for their email address. Now they've, they've moved from completely cold audience, someone that has no clue who the fuck you are, to, oh, they're interested in what you have. As you continue to do that and just get more segmented on who exactly you're talking to, they move further down the funnel until you put a product in front of them that you're trying to sell them, see if they convert or not. So mm. I think at the end of the day, it's just really matching um, the value that you're giving a prospect mm. with where they're at in the buying cycle. Mm. So it's essentially a process taking someone from you know, someone who's never heard of you before you or your business, your brand, and take them through like a step-by-step -step journey to eventually get to the point, you know, where they hundred percent purchase your you know, product yeah. or service. Layman's terms. It's, it's designing the customer journey. I think yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think of funnels or at least a core part of the funnel as, you know, website that's almost like one page, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like you're taking them on the journey and essentially the bout is like at the top and then you kind of have like, you know, let's say like the pain points, uh, you know, of the customer or, or the desire points and then, you know, highlighting, uh, you know, what your product is and how you solve those, you know, maybe some social proof testimonials. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like taking them through that journey. By the way, uh, I know for listeners, it's kind of hard to like not see this, but <laughs> if you think of a funnel as like something that's kind of wide open at the top and then you kind yep. of funnel it down, it's essentially think of an upside down cone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're taking like a larger audience, you know, and then you're essentially almost like qualifying it each step of the way, like if they're the right customer, yep. like for you and until they get to like the bottom. Um, and one thing I want to emphasize too, I think like a lot of people still think like sales is almost like a dirty word. It's like, you're trying to you know sell me the pen. You I thought know? that for a while. I did too. Um, and, and again, the, the kind of usual thing I would hear is like, you know, sell me this pen or you think of like the used car salesman, mm -hmm. but, uh, and I don't actually believe or even like, like that. Like for me, the question is, well, do you, are you even in the market for pen in the first place? Yep. If not, like then we don't need to waste yeah. our time. So, 
uh, if someone's walking a car dealership, you're assuming they're like somewhat interested in purchasing mm -hmm. you know, a car. But I think it's just really finding out what the prospect wants or like needs. And then if it's like a good match or a good fit, let's kind of take you through this journey to show you that this is something that works. Here are other people that have perhaps used it, you know, similar to yourself. Right. Um, you know, what do you think? Right. So I think this is kind of the, the sales funnels, that method that you use online, right. To take them on that journey. Would you say that's yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's yeah. attracting the right people that, you know, you can provide value to. Yeah. And so I'm talking about like click funnels a little bit. Cause I think one thing they've done really well, uh, they are a software essentially, mm -hmm. but they've built this like insane community online. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, I've, I haven't checked the group in like a while, but I think they have like hundreds of thousands of hundreds of thousands. Members. Yeah. It's um, and they throw big like events like funnel hacking live and all that. Uh, so tell me a little bit about that. Cause you worked with one of the main right hand mm -hmm. dudes at click funnels, yep. Steve Larson. Uh, so just tell me how you got involved with Steve and what that all looked like for sure. So yeah, like I said, I, I ended up at that click funnels event. Um, I think it was like September. I forget what year it was about a year into my entrepreneurship journey. Um, after that, I really just stuck to the, the message that they were pitching. What I love, what I love about ClickFunnels is that yes, they're a software company, but more than a software, they're an education company and they do a really good job educating business owners about how to actually make their business work online because the vast majority of them just don't. Uh, so I, I really clung to the community, um, started going to some of their events, really was attracted to certain personalities in the community, Steve being one of those. I thought he was a really funny guy, uh, very unique, just goofball. Um, and he was extremely fucking smart. So I was like, I wanna learn from this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, fast forward a few months, uh, he was the first person I'm pretty sure he was the first person I ever paid for one-on-one -on -one coaching. And uh, it was a very uncomfortable investment, but I had started to realize that, oh, this is kind of a, a hack to the game. Like if I pay people who are ahead of me to teach me what they know, I can kind of expedite the learning process instead of just having to struggle through it myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I did about, I think it was about six or eight weeks of one-on-one -on -one coaching with him. Um, and at this point I was trying a bunch of different stuff, right? I was so enamored with everything that I was learning that I was like, oh, let me try drop shipping trinkets, right? I had a, uh, I had an Instagram page that I'd grown to about 25,000 people. Um, and I was like, oh, here's an audience that may be interested in something. Let me sell. It was like a kind of like a travel account. So I was trying to sell like camping gear and flashlights and stuff like that. Um, I was also you know, pitching services to other business owners and, and building funnels for them. I remember one of the first sales funnels I ever built was for a guy who sold microfiber towels on Amazon mm. and he wanted to, to push more traffic to his Amazon store. So we created a little, a little, you know, offer for microfiber towels. So it was just all this random shit, but I was so just flabbergasted at everything that I was learning. I was like, I just want to do stuff. I don't even care if it works right now. I just want to continue learning through taking action and doing things. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, over the next few years, I uh, really got into kind of the coaching consulting side of things. I was doing marketing for a lot of businesses. I was teaching marketing to a lot of business owners. And then uh, through just kind of a string of staying close to Steve, he kind of reached out to me and asked if I wanted to move up to Boise from Denver and work for him. 
um, thought it was a really cool opportunity to work with a, a mentor of mine. So moved up there and spent a year in Boise. I love that. <laughs> One thing theme that I'm seeing with you is kind of taking those small leaps mm. to, you know, that maybe you're uncomfortable with to either to reach out to, mm -hmm. or tweet at different businesses <laughs> to apply to these click funnels things to reach out to Steve. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really important thing just to have like the little bit of courage to do that because you never know what's going to come out of it. And then you can just learn so much for sure. And even in like a compressed amount of time and just like take that with you. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, and I think what's cool about ClickFunnels is there's so many different types of like businesses that you can apply this to like mm -hmm. this kind of system methodology. Uh, I do have to say though, uh, the community sometimes does kind of like frustrate me. hundred uh, percent. I think it's kind of bred this like guru culture a little bit, or at yep. least like amplified it. And there's a lot of people who just copy and paste, uh, honestly, especially like within the coaching space from yep. what I've seen where, you know, they kind of sell you on this like huge course and you go in and it's like the same shit that like every other coach has done or they bring in like other. Yep. So I, I think, um, you know, we're shouting out ClickFunnels a lot. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's good piece of software. I, I don't use it anymore. Um, and, and great people, but I think also, uh, yeah, there, there's some people in there who try and take advantage, I think of the community and people 100%. who are eager to make, you know, money online and they have these like, again, cl catchy clickbait titles, like, you know, I made so much money and, and, you know, oftentimes those, you know, may not be true. So mm -hmm. I think anyone out there, like definitely explore this type of avenue if, if that's what's interesting to you, but also be wary because there are a lot of people who might take advantage. Yeah, I think one quick note there is like, just with any, right, ClickFunnels is just a, a tool, it's software. There's a bunch of funnel building tools out there. Um, just like with any investment, whether you're investing in the software, whether you're investing in stocks or a coach or a mentor, like do your research, right? Take the time, don't be naive and just think that whatever someone is saying, you take it at face value. Yeah. Like vet the software, vet whatever coach you're thinking about investing in. Um, Cause yeah, I've invested in bunches of stuff, especially in those early years that didn't pan out how I thought they would. And it's nobody's fault, but my own. And so these days when I'm seeking out mentors and whatnot, uh, I go talk to people who have been through their programs. I, you know, do research on them. I have conversations with them one-on-one -on -one to see if it will be a good investment. Yeah. So I totally. think that's super important. Also seeing if like they're, you guys are the right fit for each other. Cause mm -hmm. I think there's some styles of, you know, coaching or just even like teaching, like, you know, anything online that the coaches or the courses or consultants will be like, Hey, you have to do like X, Y, Z mm -hmm. to, to get like the result that you're looking for. When a lot of the time that's what they did to get them the result, but not necessarily, you know, what works for, may work for right. you or your business. So for example, I think just like mediums of communication, like if you are, good on camera and you're comfortable or that's something like you want to do, like go for that, you know, versus like, Hey, you have to start like yep. a audio only like podcast or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I think just like see what, how you vibe with them and then see what they've like done and make sure it aligns with like what you're looking to do. And especially like your values. Cause it, I think one of the things that like was tough for me when I got coaches is like, they would give me this very tactical play by play. Um, and honestly, sometimes like some of it I felt was like, 
not unethical, but I was feel like it was like on the borderline, like writing copy in a certain way right. that I knew would like, you know, spark. It, it certain, didn't align with who you. Yeah, are. yeah, and I always felt not. Now I'm in like a place where I just like you know I'm just fully myself, and I right. don't kind of need, feel like I need to <laughs> take anyone's steps. Like I found my, like my own journey, but I think you know we're talking a lot about the space. I just kind of want to throw that out there that For I sure. think it's important to like be wary and just like trust your gut you know yep. like see see how you vibe with them so uh so i remember i actually interviewed you or we did like a facebook live i think like a few years That's ago right. and you told me about some of the amazing results you got for like clients back then mm -hmm. uh just give me maybe like a story or two about uh doing that you oh, know maybe gosh. maybe like one that like set out to you it could be maybe a like huge result you didn't expect to get that you did or for sure i um, think uh the the first kind of big result where i was like holy shit this is cool was um a six-figure product launch for there was there was a point in time where i was working with social media influencers because i i called it like i'm gonna pat myself on the back here because basically my pitch is hey these brand deals are gonna dry up mm. right these brands can only take so much from influencers and sure enough, what we're seeing in the influencer space right now is creators build their own brands. Yep. Way more lucrative. You have way more control over every aspect of the business as opposed to just getting paid to post once. Um, so what I was doing is I was basically pitching these social media influencers on, hey, let me come in and help you launch a product, whether it be a course, whether it be a, a coaching program, whether you have your own physical products, let me be the marketing arm of your business and you just go be the content creator, promote it, get people into the sales cycle. Um, so one of the first ones I did was a fitness influencer um, in the calisthenics niche. He had a big audience that loved him and I helped him basically launch a, a program off the back of a webinar that did, I forget the exa exact number, but it was close to 200K in a, in a couple weeks there. Nice. Um, as a 24, 25 year old at the time, I was like, oh shit, like I think I'm finally getting, like understanding how to do these product launches and, and how to market online really effectively. Um, another one that comes to mind. And was that like you built the sales funnel and then I'm assuming he had like some built, you know, an audience already that he'd been building and then you essentially were able to like direct yeah, you know, the, the right portion of the audience. Yeah, to, especially to on product, product launches. Um, I really see myself as a director. So just like you have a director in Hollywood, sure. um, I'm the architect behind the scenes that's saying, hey, let's post uh, this post on this day because mm -hmm. it's going to break down this objection that the audience may have. And then let's send out these emails, etc. Um, I hired one of my copywriting buddies to write the full webinar. So I, I orchestrated the entire product launch from the emails, the social posts, the actual content on the webinar. I helped uh, craft the offer, the thing that we were actually selling. So what needs to go into the, the program? Um, and yeah, I really, th there's so much that goes into a product launch that when I first started, I had no clue, but that was really my first instance of feeling like, oh shit, this, I'm, I'm in the game now. Like yeah. I understand it. And now I felt confident competing with other marketers out there that I saw doing big numbers. So, and then did you charge like a percentage of like the, you know, the revenue for the product launch or was it like a fixed fee, you know, up front or? Yeah, good question. This was a, this was a lesson learned. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I did, I did charge a, a base fee 
for building everything and then a percentage of revenue that it generated. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I, I, how I think about it is like I like to get paid for the time it takes to execute, but then also the expertise that goes into it. The lesson I learned from it is that you have to choose your, you know, business partners wisely because unfortunately me and the guy that I was doing the product launch for, um, just didn't personality wise, didn't match up too well. So I kind of built everything out. And then as the product launch came to fruition, um, I pulled myself out of the project. So I kind of delivered all of the assets. I said, here, go execute on it. I'm done. Um, and I gave up the back end of that side of things and said, I don't want a percentage of revenue because I just don't want to deal with this situation anymore. Um, sucked, probably lost out on a little money because of it. But at the end of the day, it's what felt right to me first and foremost. And it, it was another notch on the belt of, hey, sure, you can go make money. Like there's a lot of ways to make money, but are you doing it in a way that feels authentic to you? Are you you know, building cool products with cool people? That's when I started realizing like that's what's more important than this quick flash in the pan dollar that you're going to get in your account. Dude, I, I totally believe in that and agree with you. I think yeah, I, I've had potential opportunities as, you know, similar to you, mm-hmm. like you just described where it's good money. Um, it's, you know, maybe a big business or so, but like there's either something off like with a partner, you don't gel with them or whatever it is. And I've never regretted like turning mm. down or even like ending a contract halfway through if something, you know, either shady was going on or something that doesn't align with my values. Um, and I never regretted like lo- leaving that money on the table mm-hmm. or, you know, not whatever it is. So I think like, cause it's just, it's like stress on you and also like your reputation online too Everything. as a business is so important. Yep. Like even, if you just work with someone and the products like, you know, uh, again, and not, not saying this is, was the case for you no, like for sure. at all, but like, you know, maybe the products like shady or, or the business is not great or you just don't like vibe. It's just not worth it mm-hmm. to go through with it. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so I actually, this would be a good segue. I want to shift gears a little bit, you know, even talking about like marketing yep. and business and building funnels, but also I want to talk about like kind of you as a person, as a human, um, cause over the years, I feel like I've seen you grow a lot as you've kind of tried to figure a lot of things out, especially in the online space, mm-hmm. you know, similar to me. And I feel like I've, uh, yeah, I've watched you from afar sometimes, but especially more recently, um, in the past, like two or three years, mm-hmm. I think we've been like a lot more like connected and we have a mastermind now that we do like every week. So tell me a little bit about how like the journey, you know, as an entrepreneur or just a human, how you've kind of like evolved over time. And I, this is a more open-ended question for but, sure. Uh, just tell me how you've grown a little bit. And I guess some of the, like lessons you've learned as you've, you've gone through these different stages. That's a good question. I think early on, it was so easy to focus on the money, right? That's why I quit my job was to make money online. Um, so early on it was, you know, can I sell these, this camping gear? Can I sell this service? Can I sell whatever so that I'm taken care of? And What's been nice about the new venture that I'm in is that it's a very healthy business and money is the afterthought. The, the intention we have every day is how do we serve people at the highest level possible, right? We have great products, our, our market, we're in the hair loss industry. Our market has a lot of scams out there, a lot of snake oil products, a lot of people who have felt burned and are really suffering from uh, a lack of self-confidence, a lack of self-love. Our goal is to show up every day and figure out how we can restore that for them. 
Um, that has been personally such a good mindset shift to have on my end because it helped me realize, sure, that the, the money of entrepreneurship can be fun. And I'm very, you know, financially motivated. I come from a, a very middle-class family. Um, money was a stressor in the family dynamic. And so that's core to who I am, right? That, that's something inside of me that says, I want to make money to remove stress from my life. But I've realized that the best way to do that is through service. And so if I'm going out there and just trying to sell shit, guess what happens? Sure, you'll make a little bit of money in the short run, but I'm not in business for the short run. I'm in it for the long run. I want to build stuff that lasts. Um, so I think that's been a huge shift just in my approach to business is instead of thinking about how can we suck another dollar from Facebook, it's, wait a second, how can we design a better experience for the customer so that they use our products longer, they work, um, and, and ultimately help solve the problem of not just hair loss, but like self-love deep down is really what it is. Um, aside from that, it's been nice being a part of a business where we're building a team. I think for five years, it was, how can I do this? Let me take on more and more. Let me go learn this thing so that I can, you know, go on to the next marketing channel or do this or do that. Now it's, wait a second, how do I leverage the team and bring people in who are really scared, like I mentioned earlier, skilled at their craft and relinquish that control that I really felt the need to have over the years. And just, it's been so nice to, it's less stressful. Um, I have more time to think creatively about the business as a whole, right? The 30,000 foot overview, as opposed to the, the micro of, oh, I need to get this task done. It's wait a second, where are we trying to take this five, 10, 20 years from now. And what do we need to be doing now to, to build that vision? Um, go ahead. No. So <laughs> I, I think there's like two important points I want to like touch on that. You just mentioned, you, you kind of said it more in the context of, of like business, but I think, you know, it's, it's also a huge parallel with like your own life and correct me if mm -hmm. I'm wrong, but one, you said the word self-love, you know, and which I think makes you like such a great person we'll talk about like your, your new venture yep. uh, more in like a second yep. but like to be able to you know you use these products or do these things that like help you like find self-love mm -hmm. well, also like community so like working with other people because working online or you know just working for yourself mm -hmm. um and even if you're not you know now like uh remote work obviously is is a lot more uh, widespread and with that comes you know a bit more of like isolation right and some people I think still haven't quite left like the quarantine mindset but community is like so important to like we need like human interaction mm. we need to like you know push each other and like help each other and I think then like self-love come hand in hand yep so maybe tell me a little bit more uh, if you're comfortable like 100%. in your personal life what that looked like, yep. maybe outside of like business. Yeah, so uh, I'll touch yeah. on the community uh, side of things first. And, and it's funny because like I look at my personal journey and obviously it, like I just did, it's very easy for me to talk about business in it because the two are fairly synonymous. Like I am an entrepreneur through mm -hmm. and through. Um, a lot of the personal development does come through the trials and tribulations of business. And then I realized, wait a second, the same issues that I'm experiencing in the business, I'm experiencing in my personal life. And if I don't take care of them over here, 
they're going to continue to persist in the business. So when it comes to community, um, I've moved. So since I graduated college, I've moved one, two, three, four, five different times in six years to new cities. Mm. Um, what I realized uh, about two years ago, and, and I would say two years ago is when I started to really understand how important all this is up here. Um, <clears throat> I realized that I was moving for the purpose of finding happiness, right? I moved to Denver because, oh, there weren't enough business owners in Spokane that I was connecting with. Maybe I'll find a cool group of friends there. Or, uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm gonna move to Boise because it's a good opportunity to work with a mentor and grow a big business. Maybe I'll be happier if I have a bigger business. And once I started to realize like, wait a second, happiness isn't a place, it's a feeling. And the people and the experiences that I feel most happy with are in Spokane, Washington, are in LA. That's when I realized like, dude, look inward. Like this isn't, this isn't a problem that you can, you know, find externally this is a you issue and until i was able to realize that it was like i didn't know what the fuck i was doing i was i was literally moving around trying to figure out what place would make me happy um one of my favorite <laughs> quotes i've heard from <laughs> from naval is happiness is peace in motion mm. and peace is happiness at rest mm. and i feel like you describing you moving around like a lot trying to you know find that happiness yep. Uh, it was kind of like within you all along. Yeah. As cheesy as that sounds. For sure. But uh, I love that. So when you had that realization, how did things kind of shift? Yeah, I think that's when I really started to, uh, for, for, you know, 27 years, I didn't do a good job at looking inward, looking at myself and realizing that everything in my life is a product of my imagination, how my mind works, the thoughts that I'm going through, the, the internal talk that I have. Um, once that was made presently aware to me, uh, I really gained an interest from a lot of entrepreneurs that I was following, um, close friends, business moguls that, that I had you know read about and whatnot about psychedelics. Um, it was very scary for me to even think about that and admit that because I grew up a pretty fucking vanilla guy. Uh, my dad's side of the family was, was there, you know, suffered from alcoholism. So I stayed away from alcohol until college. Um, didn't, you know, smoke weed or do any drugs growing up. I was always just the go to school, get good grades, go to college kind of guy. Um, so, so when I started, you know, garnering, this interest for psychedelics, I was like, where's this coming from? Like, you're, you're not the type of guy that would typically do this, but I had seen so many people speak highly of them. And now I was at a point in my life where I'm open to experimentation. I'm, I'm open to the fact that I don't know everything that I thought I knew. What else am I missing? And how do I get that understanding, that new perspective? Um, my now business partner about, it was almost two years ago, had done his first psychedelic journey and came back and asked me if I had ever done one of myself. And I was like, no, but I'm very interested. Can you tell me more about it? Uh, long story short, he had a phenomenal experience. Um, him and I are very much alike and he's someone that I, I really trust. And so I was like, well, if he had a good experience, maybe this is something that I should try out. So long story short, I ended up, uh, 
I was microdosing for a little bit to kind of feel comfortable taking a psychedelic. I, one night, curiosity got the best of me. I was in my apartment back in Spokane uh, and ended up kind of slowly, gram by gram, taking about three grams of magic mushrooms. And it was the biggest mindfuck of my life. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it was an emotional roller coaster. I, at one point, was bawling my eyes out. I spent seven hours journaling every thought that came to my, my mind. Um, and it's funny because that, that journal that I have right there is probably one of my most prized possessions, um, because of what a unique experience that was. And I woke up the next day and and kind of reflected on everything that I wrote down. And the common theme of everything was, we hear it all the time in the psychedelic space, but it's, it's love. It's like the, the key to everything that you want starts with what you feel inside because if, if you feel a deep sense of self-love and you can work through those insecurities and faults that you find in yourself that you're projecting on everyone else, if you can sit down and identify those and work through those, you live in a life of abundance. And now you're not pushing those on other people and having arguments that shouldn't be arguments and you know making comments that uh, get a neg- negative reaction from other people. It's oh, you can be empathetic and understand someone else is going through something and that's why they're reacting the way that they are. How can I help communicate in a way so that we come to an understanding? I think that's been a really big thing for me is just self-love and understanding how to communicate where I'm at and then also understand where other people are at and where they're coming from. I think that's the key right there. (laughs) I absolutely love everything you said. And I think there's a reason now microdosing and you know psychedelics are becoming a lot more accepted because mm-hmm. there's a few decades which research was completely halt, halt or halted mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say haunted halted uh and we just didn't have enough information you know it was just classified as was it schedule c like yep. drug along with like a bunch of other completely like other types of you know quote-unquote drugs right. that are just like you know not like you know I, I even think of like the statistics like how many people a year just die from causes of like alcohol right. which is so legal and glorified and how many people statistically have died from yep. taking magic it, it's mushrooms crazy I think it's like zero like yeah. and and even then you know but I, I do also want to give like a disclaimer um it is a it is a very you know powerful drug mm-hmm. uh always if you do want to do it uh or considering it like do it with someone there next to you who is like yep. sober um do it in an environment that you're comfortable with uh so i'd say don't do it with like strangers or know the dose i think that's a yes. very very so that's important a, that was thing. Last, yeah yep. so know the dose as well i mm-hmm. think it was smart you started like with a mic microdosing mm-hmm. and i think three milligrams is like usually what's yep. kind of recommended but um also like check your mind state going into it because if you are like very stressed that Mm -hmm. day or you're clouded by like negative thoughts or or whatever it is like you know maybe kind of save it for another time but it can i mean it's helped so many like veterans with ptsd um overwhelming studies show that people who are you know suicidal or have like deep issues Mm -hmm um like microdosing and you know psilocybin you know which is the main i think chemical compound in magic mushrooms is 
uh, something that can like really, really like help you yep. uh, for the better. So, um, and yeah, and then eventually you came to that realization that it is about self-love, love in general, mm-hmm. empathy. Uh, and at the end of the day, whether it is like business or communities or like friendships or relationships, it's about, you know, human, human to human interaction. 100%. It's about like building each other up. And I think, uh, you know, on social media and, you know, media in general, there's a lot of like divisiveness and telling you how to think. And I think one thing I've loved about that space and what it brings out in people is also that uh independent like thinking mm-hmm. right it's uh yeah it, it kind of i think allows you to like think through like thought processes for sure in a way that you might not have before because we're like pre-programmed like from childhood to like think certain things yeah mostly because of like you know what the environment we grew up in what our parents tell us i think going on that journey can be yeah very like eye-opening for people and, and intense in a lot of ways yep but can really make you realize these things that can help you. I mean, a small anecdote there is, um, I really credit a lot to magic mushrooms to helping me restore my relationship with my mom. Mm. Um, Long story short, during one of my trips, I realized that deep down I, I blamed her for my parents separating. And because of it for years and years and years, anytime I was around her, I could literally feel it in my body where I was just annoyed. It didn't matter what she said, didn't matter what she did, didn't matter if she didn't do anything. If she was just sitting there, there there was a feeling in my body that I was just annoyed with her presence, with her being. And there was a comment that she made when I was back in college about uh, me being cold to her. And that really, really struck a chord with me because I was like, damn, like I, I love my mom. She's given me everything. She was a stay at home mom. She is instrumental to who I am as a man today. And for her to call me cold and then for me to realize like the reason I'm that way is because I'm blaming her for something that isn't her fault. What a drastic difference. And since that moment, never had that feeling to my chest again. We have a great relationship. Um, I've been able to be a lot more like open and communicative with her about where I'm at and how much I appreciate and love her. And it's just completely changed our dynamic. So Thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah. Yeah, I think, let me know if you agree. I think the biggest way to look at this is like perspective change. Mm -hmm. It's not like, I was going to say it's not like your brain chemistry changes, like maybe, but, um, you know, there's a great documentary on Netflix. There's actually a couple now, but Mm -hmm. I remember them showing this illustration of like how different parts of your brain that don't usually connect end up connecting when you're on certain Mm -hmm. psychedelics and it just you know, opens up these like insane doors because honestly, I think we only know about like what 10% or maybe even yeah. less of what the brain is capable the number, of, but it's small. which I never like really knew that I was like, yeah, you know, we have science and like we have brain surgeons and you know, we can like study it, but there's so much like that's going on in here mm-hmm. that we just honestly don't know about that's baffled scientists, you know, religions try and, uh, put meaning to mm-hmm. it. And, uh, I think it's something that, yeah, people should kind of look into And I've also heard a lot that even, th- uh, outside of like psychedelics, you can reach kind of like that state of finding internal like peace or like happiness through, uh, meditation, especially transcendental yep. meditation, breath work. Yes. Breath work. I mean, so much of it is just like bringing in oxygen, like to the brain yep. and being able to do that. So, you know, we are talking about 
you know, substances here that I think help almost accelerate that process or like open up that portal in some senses, but mm-hmm. you can achieve that as well through, yeah, meditation, like um, yoga as well, just like mm-hmm. elevating your like vibration and um, just being ultimately in touch like with yourself and yeah. like who your true soul really is. And then understanding that deeply and then shifting that perspective of like your place in the world mm-hmm. and why you're here and how you're supposed to help people. Yep. So. Um, and I think it's this kind of like thinking is quite popular for entrepreneurs because we are typically like a lot more independent. I think like we're doing our own thing. We're blazing our own trail. (laughs) We're doing these new ideas that people are like, you're an idiot for doing that. Or this, you know, no one's done this or this is different. And we embrace that, you know, that's like, I think, uh, and and the more I, you know, I'm obsessed with like biographies too. And the more I read like, and study different entrepreneurs or people who just achieved great things, whether it's like leaders in history, uh, they've all almost gone through a certain period where they had this like kind of either awakening or something that's mm-hmm. like clicked with them. Um, you know, maybe a cliche example, but like even when Steve Jobs like went to India and, you know, kind of had a, a journey there and experience and right. he came back kind of like refreshed. Um, and I think a lot of people, you know, who've achieved results, you know, for humanity uh, at a high level, um, have gone through some type of experience like for that. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, not really. I mean, just a quick note. Um, once again, do your research first and foremost, if you're interested, but yeah. second, I really just look at something like psychedelics as a tool and it's a yes. tool that's worked for me. Um, do I believe everyone should take psychedelics? Absolutely not. But different people use different tools, right? Some people use yoga, meditation, breath work. Some people do Ironmans and, and are able to find that like, you know, the runner's a, a, high, man. That's runner's a, it's high, a real yeah. thing. So, um, I, I think the big key is like figuring out what works for you. I'm very thankful that I've found a tool that isn't this recreational hippie drug. Like I used to think it was, but I've found a way to use it in a way that helps me become a better son, brother, business partner, friend, et cetera. Um, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely grateful for that. This is totally the theme of this podcast. Uh, like, I love this cause it's, it's really, I feel like part of a journey to become like the best version of yourself by really figuring out yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. Um, and I love that you shared that. Uh, so thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I want to shift gears a little bit now to Adigen, mm-hmm. which is your, uh, or, or brand that you jumped on. Yep. Um, yeah. T- tell me a little bit about that. Like, what do you guys do? For sure. Yeah. So we, uh, we have a suite of hair regrowth products, um, that helps both men and women, uh, kind of backtracking a little bit. How I started with the team at Adigen was my now business partner, John was a previous client of mine when I worked for Steve in Boise. So we had basically like a high ticket consulting program. Um, John had joined that. So I worked with him for, for several months. And then when I was transitioning and, and moving away from Boise and working with Steve, he had been, he had been slowly like sending me before and afters from his customers saying like, Hey man, look at this. Like the products are working really well, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, cool. Like, I don't know much about hair loss, but, uh, that, that's awesome. It seems like you're, you know, you're doing well. Um, as October 1st was coming up, um, the, the conversation between me and John kind of switched to from, from, Hey, here's these really good before and afters from my customers to, 
would you be interested in coming and running the marketing for Adigen? Um, at the time, I, I honestly wasn't too interested. And it was because my experience in Boise was a little bit different from what I expected. And I was kind of burnt out working with other people at the time. I kind of wanted to go back and be this solo entrepreneur, um, do consulting. And I had like a little newsletter at the time. I just really wanted to kind of retreat back into my bubble and do my own thing. But John was, was pretty persistent, um, kept sending me before and afters. And so finally I said, Hey, let's jump on a call and I'd love to see the numbers behind the business. Like the reason I wanted to see those is because I wanted to be confident that if I came in, I would be able to actually help grow the business as opposed to if I saw what was going on and wasn't confident, it wouldn't make sense for me to come in. Um, sure enough, we jumped on a call, some of the healthiest numbers. He, it was a very new business at the time. I think it had been live for maybe four months, five months. Um, some of the healthiest numbers that I had ever seen. And so it really piqued my curiosity of, hey, I think I can actually take your vision and help get the business there. Um, and as of, yeah, October 1st, 2020, I kind of quit everything that I was doing threw everything to the wayside and, and just doubled down on, on being business partners with John. Um, it has been one of the best, if not the best decisions I've ever made. Um, obviously I'm in LA right now cause, cause he lives down here and I just moved down a few months ago, but, um, just from a fulfillment standpoint, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but to see the amount of lives that we're changing through shampoos and topicals and brushes blows me away. N never could I have imagined um, the, the types of gratitude and appreciation we get from our customers from a product that when I joined the business, I just looked at it as, oh, how can I sell some shampoo? Well, you're not selling shampoo. You're selling restoring not hair but 100%, confidence 100%, right yeah. and uh, it took me a while to, to understand that like yeah and initially as a marketer i got it but it wasn't until i started seeing how our products were actually affecting people deep deep down mm -hmm. that that it stuck in my brain of holy shit this going back to the self-love talk this is this is the problem we're optimizing and solving for mm -hmm. and then telling that story and seeing and I, i'm already seeing this with you guys mm. it's other people are becoming your ambassadors now. It's not like you're like, hey, trust me, like, you know, this shampoo is great. Mm -hmm. They they use it, you know, obviously it works. And then they go, oh, my God, now I, like, feel like this completely new person, mm -hmm. like, you know, who I was 10, 20 years ago, or at least, like, invigorated some youth within me yep. or whatever it is. And honestly, it's probably different for other people like that meaning because, uh, yeah, unfortunately, society, there's a lot of, like, things that, you know, especially like around here in LA where it's like appearances are important. Yep. And unfortunately there are also like, you know, studies that show that if you are kind of, I don't know, more fit or like well-kept or like, you know, physically appealing in some ways, mm -hmm. like you do have some advantages. Um, and so I think, yeah, people being able to like leverage the products to be able to get to that point, you know, that's not like plastic surgery or like, right. you know, doing huge alterations to, to your body or like mm -hmm. face, but this is just something that you apply like you would every day. So, uh, damn, now I feel like I'm becoming a spokesperson. I love for it. You I guys. love it. I appreciate no, but, that. But it's, it's, it's true. So, um, how, how can like people listening and watching, like find you guys? Uh, I think you have a, you have a Facebook group. We have a Facebook group. Yeah. So if you search our brand name on Facebook, it's Adigen, A D E G E N, um, really active community, 
we try to, my, my business partner, John, who is one of the most knowledgeable people in the world about hair loss, um, we, he tries to get in there and, and do like a live training every now and then because our, our take and how, how we're really, aside from the products themselves, the big difference between us and the competition is we are so keen on education. Going back to what we were talking about, I, I learned this from Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels where you know, the person who can explain the problem the clearest is assumed to have the best solution. Not only can we explain the problem of hair loss and what's actually going on, but we also do have the best solution. So we think of ourselves as an education company first, knowing that not everyone is gonna buy from us. That's fine, come learn from us, come understand what's actually going on so that you can make the best decision as to how to fix the problem for you. I think that's very, very key. And what's what's uh, proprietary about like your products that maybe I can't some... give out the secret sauce. No, I mean you don't have to give me the ingredients, but uh, you know if I'm looking at like your competitors, sure. like what is it about you guys? Yeah, so um, the the big one of the big things is that we take a holistic approach to regrowing hair. Um, mm. Without geeking out about the science, we have a suite of products that all work together in order to exfoliate your scalp, make sure to get kind of the uh, junk and gunk that's living on our, the epidermis, the, the scalp itself. Um, we have a microderma roller, mm. which is essentially really fine needles. We get them made at a uh, 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 manufacturer in South Korea. South Korea is known as the cosmetic capital of the world. Yep. Really, really high quality. Each needle is hand placed. And what that does is create micro channels in your scalp so that our topical um, can actually work and the ingredients can actually get delivered down to the hair follicle. So mm -hmm. it's kind of the, the short and easy there. Yeah. I actually use a derma roller cause I had really bad acne mm -hmm. in like high school and I, you know, I was an idiot and kind of would like, you know, pop it. And so it created yep. scars, but the derma, derma rollers. And let me know if this is like similar for hair, but essentially cause of the small needles, it almost makes like a small, uh, in some ways like a, you know, a cut. As yeah, it's a microabrasion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, um, so through the microabrasion, like the you know the skin kind of breaks a little bit, but then it heals mm -hmm. back to like a more healthier state. And then, you know, after that, I'll put on uh, like the serum, like vitamin C serum mm -hmm. and such. So is it like a similar process where you're kind of like breaking down the skin and it's kind of like regrowing like a healthier state? And then the other products that you put on like after that help like that regrowth. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, very similar process. And then um, basically the big thing with our topical and what's different about it is that most of the products on the market are what's called DHT blockers. Um, the, the problem is that by decreasing the amount of DHT, like especially for men, DHT is a very important hormone. And if you decrease those DHT levels, you're going to experience a whole lot of side effects that aren't good. Depression, fatigue, anxiety, etc. The list goes on. Um, what our topical does is it blocks DHT from attaching to the hair follicle without actually decreasing the amount of DHT in your body. So it's a really safe alternative. You're not gonna, you're not gonna experience the side effects that other products give you. Mm. One thing you're also incredibly good at is copywriting. And I know that's a very important tool for your marketing. Um, and I remember you, you had, or still have a, a newsletter uh, tell me a little bit about that, because I think copywriting is something that people don't think of as like super important mm. generally. Like I think you know marketers and 
uh, know how it is, you know, the way you like position your words and not even to like influence, but just to communicate. I really like his marketing as like just communication. For like, sure. you're, you're just talking, you know, as a brand or, or, or person, you know, personal brand or, or product, like two other people. And you're just finding the best way to like use the right words that really explain clearly what you're doing and often like concisely. So, uh, tell me a little bit about like, you know, you copywriting, doing that newsletter. And also I'd love to hear a couple like tips that you have for people who, um, perhaps want to like post more on social media, uh, or want to do like a newsletter or just want to get better at like maybe writing emails. Yep. Uh, yeah. Give me, give me for some sure. Yeah. So how I look at copywriting is, um, it's basically influential storytelling, right? Sto- storytelling is the oldest form of communication of mankind, right? Cave, cavemen were drawing on walls to tell stories. Um, you look at, you know, here and now Hollywood, uh, YouTubers, right? YouTubers are, are phenomenal, phenomenal storytellers. The way that they get someone to pay attention and watch a full video comes down to copywriting. Sure, there's some video acts in here and whatnot, but at the end of the day, they are visually and verbally telling a story. And that's what gets someone to watch the entirety of a movie, a YouTube video, read a page, etc. So I guess that's, that's the fundamental understanding that I want to talk about this from is good copywriting is just good storytelling. This is coming from a guy who used to suck at storytelling. Uh, I was the kid, you know, thinking back at school, I was the kid that would sit in the back of the classroom and never raise his hand. All I wanted to do was show up, learn what I needed to learn so I could regurgitate on the test and be done with it. Um, what I realized is that the best way to get good at telling stories is go talk to people, ask questions, um, study other good stories. So like I get a lot of inspiration from honestly, YouTubers. I I watch a lot of of other creators to get inspiration from. Um, I've never been a big movie guy, but now that I'm a copywriter, I actually enjoy the the art and story of, you know, the cinema. Um, but I think that's a real foundation to build off of is just think of your, your favorite story. And then it's kind of like that. I see that as the art of copywriting look around for inspiration drum up your own ideas in your own head and then there's the science which is the formulas it's the structures that we use to actually influence and sell stuff online what's nice is that humans are humans are humans and as much as we're different we're all wired in a very similar way which means that there's certain triggers that get us to listen to a story the hook right? Um, there's certain things that get us to pull out our credit card and buy urgency and scarcity, right? Feeling like, uh, this is an exclusive deal that you can't miss out on. And there's a deadline on it, right? Creators are great with their merch drops because of this. So there's all these little tactics that go into the art of copywriting. And when you can mix the science of it with the art, that's when true beauty happens. Ooh, well described. I think curiosity is such an important part of it too. Mm. It's like being curious about different things and then your curiosity leads you to learning more about those things. And I think a great way to learn is storytelling and analogies especially too. Mm -hmm. So one thing I love about your newsletter is you'll 
uh, just like be inspired or, or curious about, you know, something. And then there'll be a story that happens like in your day, like at a coffee shop, mm-hmm. maybe it was like a customer service thing. And you kind of use that as a way to illustrate like a lesson. But it's something that almost everyone can relate to, you know, uh, like, yep. so, so I really love like that approach of, of doing that. And one thing also I like about the way you like write and do your newsletters, it's like very simple. Like mm. you, your emails aren't like fancy. You don't have, I don't think you have any imagery. Usually it's just all text, just all text. Um, it's, it's not, you know, these gifts that are like super flashy and trying to grab your attention. Um, but you also have like good hooks in the beginning where you write something that is alluding to what you're going to be talking about through the rest of the email it sparks some curiosity, but also it signals to the reader like, oh, this may be something that I am interested in, like reading mm-hmm. more in, which, you know, is the case most of the time yeah. if you word it correctly. So, uh, yeah, for everyone listening out there, I think it's important to uh, just leverage copy. I used to hate writing, yeah. dude. Like, I mean, and <laughs> I'm going to admit this out loud. I haven't admitted this in public, <laughs> but uh, when so I was poached to go to the the Grammys, the Recording Academy. Okay. And one of the main things the recruiter said from the beginning was like, you have to love writing and you have to be a good writer. And everything else about the job, I was super interested in except that portion. I was okay. just like, I honestly, I hate writing. <laughs> like, and I don't really do that beats. Uh, but I, you know, I said yes. I kind mm-hmm. of fibbed a little bit. And, uh, even when I got there, like my future boss was like, you know, you're going to be doing a lot of writing, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I got, and I thought like, maybe they were just saying that, but as soon as I started that role, sure enough, there's a lot of writing I had to do. And it was focused on like writing articles, working with other writers, but we went through this workshop. Um, they brought in a consultant and it's honestly kind of changed my life. Mm. Uh, and at the time I actually didn't feel like I got a lot from it, but just like, she, she described like how to like take your ideas, just like throw it on a piece of paper, like write it down. It's going to be really messy. It's not going to make sense. Mm-hmm. And then talked about like later going back and like editing that and then breaking it down further. And then just like little things around like grammar and prose. Yeah. And it like helped me so much to become, I don't think I'm a, a great writer by any stretch of the imagination, but it definitely helped me become a better writer and also a communicator. Mm-hmm. So I think, a lot of people don't like writing. Um, and then you also talked about journaling earlier, which mm-hmm. I think is like incredibly important if people don't do that because I've gained so much clarity through journaling. Yep. Have you found that to be true as well? hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Like it's, it's just, you're letting your thoughts run free, but as you do that, it allows your brain to like think more granularly about yep. what you're writing. Um, and I found it also solves like a lot of problems for me. Couldn't agree uh, more. Yeah. So, so I mean, do you, do you journal a lot? Like I, every day I do. And, and um, yeah, before I forget, I think one of the big things you, you pointed out is that mm-hmm. like for me personally having and, and continually learning copywriting, it, it makes me a better communicator. Sure. I can use it in a business and sales environment to help influence a purchasing decision, but the amount of uh, positive gain I've gotten out of learning copywriting in my personal life and being able to effectively communicate with my friends, my family, with whoever it is, you can't put a price on it. Um, I think it's allowed me to, yeah, just, just really understand social environments a little bit better 
and be very careful with my words and how I'm using them because words are powerful. You look at politicians in DC, right? They get in front of a mic and they can incite a crowd to do whatever. It's crazy, but that's the power of words right there. And so if you really learn, first and foremost, if you understand that and then learn how to use them to be a light in the world and be you know, a positive influence amongst your social circle, words are, word, words are some of the most powerful uh, yeah, tools, tools in your toolbox. So I love that, dude. <laughs> um, I think we're going to start wrapping things up here. Uh, Austin, you're, you're a fan of art, right? We've talked about, I think, yes, sir. um, different like businesses who like do cool art pieces and canvases. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a lot of art in like, I know you've moved around a lot in the past. I, few I years. do. Yeah. I try to keep as many pieces as I can. So obviously it's slimmed down a little bit with each move, but, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, art to me is, is just another form of expression. It's a way to take who I am and the things I think about and display them visually. So, um, yeah, I, I love a good art piece. Yeah. <laughs> so as you know, I have this, uh, art business where we do commission pieces of mm-hmm. people's life stories. Uh, but we also do like life moments and honestly just kind of whatever is, uh, you know, we're inspired from mm-hmm. or what the client is looking for. But uh, I have a special gift for you actually. Uh, it's a custom art piece. It's a little bit different than actually, some of the ones that I've made before, but, uh, yeah, I want to give it to you. I'm fine. I'm excited um, to see it. All right. Especially cause I know the caliber of your work. So, <laughs> so this oh, is, Oh gee, this is pretty simple, <laughs> but, um, actually what I love about this piece is there's like little items yep. in the background that I, I think really represent like you. So I know you love golf. I appreciate we got a little this. shampoo. We got the email. <laughs> I love it. Um, and obviously we're alluding to a little <laughs> mushy over here. The, the mushies <laughs> a bit, but the main standout thing of this piece, which I love is you often post online online. So talk about copywriting. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful day to get better. 100%. And I see you post that a lot <laughs> and I love that. And so I think, you know, you remind yourself and us and your online community of that often. I think that it would, this would be a cool thing maybe for you to have, or it's like constantly reminding you at home. I appreciate this. Um, one, man. It so, means a lot. Yeah. So here you go, man. Yeah. This, that's, that's the, uh, that's the go-to mantra. It's one of those things that I remind myself often where, uh, we, we have so much opportunity around us in the world. Um, I would be doing a disservice to the world and the people around me if I wasn't waking up each and every day excited to get better in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. I said it earlier, be a better friend, be a better brother, be a better son, be a better business partner. That's really what I try to wake up every day and, and try to do. So yeah, ultimately become the best version of yourself. Yep. hundred percent. This podcast is 100%. about. All right. Actually on that note, oh, we'll wrap things up, dude. Thank you so much appreciate for coming it. on. I really, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. You're an amazing dude. Um, and thanks for tuning in everyone who's listening and watching out there and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace. That was dope. That was fun. All right. Thank you.